something to say. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of Project Shadow, which I've been warning you about. We are going to be talking about the book. And if you don't know what book you haven't been listening, we're going to be talking about Dreadnought by April Daniels today. And I guess I should introduce myself. Hello, my name is Charlie, and I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer. And I'm Brian. This is my hubby. (laughs) <laughs> for those of you who are long-term listeners to the show you know that we used to do this together all the time and then we bought a restaurant yeah yeah it, it working at working at one and owning one are very different things it takes a lot of time <laughs> you know that would actually be a uh, fun episode for us to do in future is the difference between you know working and owning because I don't think a lot of people understand that difference. And as far as like being a writer goes, that's a huge psychological difference from when you realize that I'm working on my book to I own a business that produces books. Yeah. That's a huge psychological difference. And I know a lot of our listeners are writers and that might, you know, my experience with a creative business and your experience with a creative business that has dirty things like overkeep and employees yeah that could actually be a very interesting topic so let me get know if you're interested in that because we might do that or it might just be completely self-indulgent tripe i don't know but it sounds interesting to me <laughs> but hey that's just me and i get all into this okay so we are going to be talking today about the first book in the nemesis series and it is titled dreadnought by april ness this is a book about a trans superhero who well gets her powers very early in the book and faces her first real trauma in the book and i'm not going to say much more than that because i think almost anything else that i say is spoilery so we haven't gotten to the spoiler warning yet do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, it's a very great read. It's a very it, good book. If you haven't read it yet, you should go read it. And if you don't mind spoilers, or if you've already read it and you want to hear spoilers, stay in t- stay tuned. Yeah, because <laughs> th- this book, oh, it. I think it's important for two things. So before we get into the spoiler section, number one, I, you know me, I'm really big about us being you know about representation and finding positive representations of whatever you are in media and coming to you know and sharing them and as as somebody who is kind of ticks almost every box on the lgbtq um, <laughs> line like I, I tick quite a few boxes there basically the l i don't I, I don't take that one, but I am biromantic. So I say, tears does not take the L. No, yeah, tears don't work. Um, but you know, I am gay. I, I, I am homosexual. I am biromantic, and you know, I, 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 I am trans. So I take quite a few of those boxes, finding characters that 
really show us ourselves in fiction is very hard because not a lot of people write about us. And so that, I think, is one of the important things about this book, other than the fact that it's just really well written and very entertaining and so much fun to read. The second thing that makes this an important read right now is we are going to be getting our first trans media character, media superhero this year. They're going to put Dreamer on Supergirl. And I'm a little nervous about how that works. And I think if they were smart, they would hire April Daniels to either help co-write those episodes or at least come in and consult on them because... Oh my goodness, this book is so good. I, I, I kind of want Dreamer to be a lot like Danny. Yeah. And that was one of the uh, the other clever uh, choices or happy accidents. I'm not sure if it was deliberate or not. But by with this first story, you you know, you have your more typical, you know, the superhero this a person suddenly gets superhero powers, so they're trying to adjust and come to terms and grips with their new body, their new abilities. And so intertwined with that is also the transition and coming to terms with with their new body and their new abilities. Uh, and also, you know, the, the public's interaction with a new superhero and with a new person. You know, and and so it was. It was very, uh, it was a very clever way because you, she was able to really show these, you know, the these uh, moments. Um, Trying not to give any spoilers yet, <laughs> with with uh, through the book, you know, which also helped somebody more as an outsider, like myself. You know, I haven't had to struggle with, with gender identity. You know, I knew what gender I was, you know, and and so being able to under... to that to be really, really PC, but yeah. you accepted your assigned gender. I'm sorry, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know, I accepted my assigned gender and uh, was comfortable with that. And so there were certain experiences, certain challenges that I have not had and have not had to face. So without having them, without having to face them, I also lack an understanding or in a lot of cases, even an awareness uh, of certain challenges. And, you know, she did such a great job through this, through the story to bring up some of the, you know, challenges and really show and through the character to kind of have those experiences and to have a, a better understanding of that. Which is really important because we've been together for over 20 years. And he's been struggling with my originally kind of just gender queerness. And as over time, I've realized that I am much more transitiony than I originally thought. Um, it, it's hard to convey those thoughts. And that's hard for me to admit as a writer that there's an experience that's hard for me to put into words. This is an experience that's very hard to put into words. And one of the best things before we get into spoilers that for me came out of this is 
you know, I was able to have a talk with you and be like, okay, so that last chapter where Danny is kind of describing what dysphoria feels like, that's inside, that's my head all the time. And I could see in your eyes, like for the first time, you got it. Yeah. Like it wasn't like you didn't believe me or anything like that before. It was, it's hard to put words to. And without, without having an experience to have, uh, an, to back up that understanding, I, I had nothing to relate that to or to have that under, you know, I had no understanding. I was literally incapable of comprehending, <coughs> excuse me, what those words meant. And, you know, it was like, I understand all the words you're saying in the sentence individually, but together. And it was like, after reading through that chapter, it was like, oh, okay, now I've been able to kind of, you know, because I was able to experience it through the character of Danny, you know, it was like, oh, okay, I I get it better now. (laughs) And so we actually went through the audiobook together. We do this a lot because sharing is caring and, well, writing is always fun to experience in groups and it's really hard to experience them in groups unless you do an audiobook thing like Mm -hmm. what we do we like to kind of have audiobooks on while we're doing lots of different stuff the audiobook is narrated by natasha um i'm sorry i'm going to like slaughter your last name saudek sudek sodek s-o-u-d-e-k i really really apologize for mangling your last name um but natasha does such a good job narrating the book i really like how she modulated her voice and everything and the great thing is natasha also reads the next book sovereign which we're chomping at the bit to get into so whether you're interested in the book book or the audiobook the story is phenomenal I really enjoyed the audiobook as well. Okay, so having said that, if you haven't already read the book and you are averse to spoilers in any way, shape, or form, pause the podcast, go get your copy of Dreadnought, read it, love it, and then come back for the rest of our discussion. Because, oh my goodness, this was such a good book. So, we're going to give it countdown from five and then any spoilers that you hear are entirely your fault we are not at fault anymore so five four three Three, two two, one spoilers okay so the book opens with danny in crazy dysphoric majesty trying to cope with her life and her verbally abusive father I, I didn't. No, I got the impression physically abusive a little bit. A little bit. I, the, you know, he, he's at least struck Danny in, in anger mul- multiple times. Uh, but she refers to him as Mount Volcano. Yeah, Mount Volcano. That things will just set him off, and he'll get angry and explode. And I, I, I the the scene that got me the most because it. <clears throat> This is one of those things as a person who has experienced some of Danny's like problems. Like my, my father wasn't physically abusive. He, he did strike me from time to time and whatnot. But the thing that got me about the beginning of this book, there's this 
scene where Danny is behind the mall mm-hmm. painting her toenails because no one can see them. Yep. So it's the one part of her body she has sovereignty over. And it's the one part where she can kind of start dealing with her dysphoric feelings and feel a little feminine. And that, like, when I read that, when we we, we went, like, I remember as a kid when I bought my first nail polish doing exactly that down by the creek behind Martins in Frederick, Maryland, sitting on a tree bough over the creek, painting my toenails. I, I, I did that exact thing. Yeah. And that is probably one of the reasons why I connected both with Danny and this book so strongly is, you know, I wasn't behind a mall. I was near a mall. Because <laughs> the Martins and Frederick was right beside the Frederick Down Mall. But I was actually behind the grocery store and there was kind of a creek that ran through there and I was literally up in a tree in the over the creek painting my toenails. Because I didn't want anybody to know, but I wanted my nails to be colored. And I didn't understand why. Like, you have to remember, this is oh late 80s that this is happening. So this is like... 87 88 89 somewhere in there that this is happening for me i had never heard the word trans used in anything other than transportation or yeah. transaction <laughs> like this idea that somebody could be transsexual or transgender like none of those words had ever reached me so i i had no idea that you know somebody who was assigned male at birth could be a woman like that that idea had never gone through my head and that connection that i had with danny over that moment like it's almost indescribable because you know very rarely do you read a book and like see a chunk of your life in it and like like i said the reason i in earlier podcasts the reason i fell in love with cassandra clare's books is very early in a city of bones. There's a scene of them in a bar that reminded me of my friends at this Gothbar Orpheus that I used to go to. And so I kind of clicked into the book very early on. This simple scene of Danny painting her toenails, like, had me. Yeah. And Danny at this point, you know, is uh, all male clothes. I mean, his dad will not hear of anything other than that. And or tolerate anything other than that. Uh, track and field or football? I thought it was. I thought it was football. I thought it was football, but then my brain started to say track and field. But you know, he, you know, because dad wanted him to do manly sports, and you know, had him. You know, so he's. Because I remember something about the team team practice later in the book. Yeah. Um. But yeah. It, my head turned it into sports ball anyhow. So. <laughs> Long running joke. You have to. Everything is sports ball. Everything is sports ball. One of these days, maybe we can do the rules for of sports ball on the show. Yeah, it, it will become a thing if we share the rules, though, because everyone will want to actually watch it. <laughs> uh, sports ball. Yeah. 
but you know it's it so so you have this this nice setup you know establishment for danny and then of course the you know commotion a big fight and that's where you learn in the setting they're superheroes and there's some superhero fight in the distance and you know danny's like well i hope people don't get hurt you know because you know they usually ignore the civilians but you know in superheroes fight civilians can get killed very easily and uh and then dreadnought comes crashing yeah well first of all i I just want to step back one one step before dreadnought hitting the ground this kind of oh the superheroes are fighting again (laughs) like yeah you very rarely get to see a superhero world from a non-superhero's point of view and if you do it's for like in this book just those few moments before that character becomes a superhero but i just love just the resignation of ah the superheroes are fighting again yeah i hope Uh, too many people don't get killed it's a good thing it's way over there i don't have to run for cover yeah it's it's just this acceptance of uh, it's happening. I just forgot the name of the show, but it really, it really reminded me. I had a lot of scenes from that. Uh, oh yeah, the, 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 the I know what you're talking about. The uh, Bruce Wayne's brother's company and yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of that show either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that it reminded me a lot of that show. Actually, I had a lot of scenes of that where they're like, "Oh crap, superheroes are fighting. People are going to get hurt. Okay, <laughs> property damage, etc." <laughs> and so Dreadnought comes crack crashing down and dreadnought is apparently a legendary superhero that goes all the way back to the second world war mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to remember where they said the origin was but i do believe he originated during the second world war yeah and gained his prestige from the epic battles he had with uh, mistress malice which i have to say i love all of the superhero names in here and we're probably going to get off plot in a little bit because of two of the characters we're going to start talking about. But Mistress Malice. I, 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 don't, I don't know why, but... Uh, okay, for anybody who's like an old school X-Men fan, do you remember when Jean Grey first became um, the Dark Phoenix and she decided to become this like dominatrix school marm and went like crazy... I don't know why, but that was the image that came into my head every time Mistress Malice was mentioned. Like, crazy dominatrix school marm Jean Grey. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but that that's where my mind went. Well, on the, <laughs> on the note of the quite a few of the superhero and villain names, I actually sat back and was like, I kind of want to start a drag club. And how you know be like the sovereign drag club or something, and 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 actually have like different different drag queens with the different names because you you could see a mistress malice and a dreadnought and you know I, I think <laughs> like <laughs> actually I, I just kind of want to take some of the great icons <laughs> of history of of LGBT history and put them up on the wall and give them the names of some some of these characters because. I know exactly who Dreadnought would be, and I want to know if you guys can guess. I'm not going to tell you, but mm-hmm. I, I will say her name has a P in it. We'll see. Leave a comment. Call in. <laughs> do whatever. 
See if you can see if you can guess. Because yeah, I know exactly who the historical dreadnought would be. But yeah, so Dreadnought ends up crashing down and has a giant gaping wound in his chest and is clearly dying. And apologizes profusely to Danny. And then and something and something that I hope gets more deeply explained in future books passes the mantle of Dreadnought over to Danny. And Danny starts feeling the power rushing into her and then in a moment that because i am me and i mean no disrespect to the writer or anybody else reading here i mean in my head a full for the honor of graceful moment happens um, <laughs> and then you know she like in my head lights and shiny things and all kinds of crazy stuff happens and oh wait look danny is no longer a boy danny is a girl and not only is danny a girl danny is your stereotypical superhero tall svelte buxom supermodel-esque and i love danny's first thought how am i going to explain this to my parents yeah <laughs> Like, what am I going to do? I, I have boobs now. Yeah. Um, I can't hide these. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Jeans don't quite fit right, you know. As well, they were cut wrong. <laughs> or female waist and hips. Yeah. And then we meet one of my, like, I'm going to, okay, I'm just going to admit right now, you're going to hear me say this phrase way too much and i admit to that already hello my name is charlie and i have a problem one of my favorite characters calamity oh yeah enters the scene and oh my goodness calamity is an old school gunslinger so just think of your western motifs just like put them all together bandana over bandana over the face the double barrel, the pistol in each hand. Always oh, talks like an old timey prospector. You know what I mean? Concern it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Actually, I don't think she says concern it at all. No. But oh, I wish she had. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the, the few things. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I could hear her saying it. <laughs> oh yeah, concern it. I don't know why I fell in love with calamity like instantly. I don't know what it was about her. Um, I think it may have been her overly performative affectations to the Old West mm -hmm. that won me over, which is weird because I'm not a big fan of Westerns. But there was just something about Calamity that immediately had me. And oh, I, 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 like I said, you're going to hear me say this a lot. I really liked her. She's yeah. one of my favorite characters in the book. And I had quite a few of them. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was awesome. And the, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun little touch because, uh, you know, she explains how they need to get out of the area or they're going to have to explain to the police why they're there with a dead dreadnought and what happened. And 
So And you're not gonna want to testify have yeah. to testify against a supervillain now, are you? Yeah, yeah, which is you know, when you think about it, the supervillain that just killed Dreadnought and no, no one's gonna really want to testify against that. Because uh, Dreadnought is Dreadnought is the Superman of the setting. Yeah. Um I think that's a very fair analogy. Like he's kind of invulnerable, he's kind of the one who always saves the day. Yes. Yeah. He, I mean, Dreadnought is the super superhero in yeah. this setting. So think Superman, right? Yeah. Think think the death of Superman arc, right? Everybody's in shock because Superman died. Yeah. How does that happen? What are we going to do now, right? And think about how fearful you are of whoever could have killed Superman, right? That's, I think, an, a, a good analogy to understand this moment. And so... She and so Danny and Calamity <laughs> run off on their misadventures. And this is where we first start to get our explanation of how the world works. And I really kind of liked this. And this kind of brought me back to my City of Heroes days. Yeah. Which was yeah. a great game that I thoroughly enjoyed playing. Where you have your white capes who are... We are the good guys. We are here to save the day. Yeah. Who heroes? We do heroic things. We don't kill. We only capture. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Who, in a wonderful kind of melange of both the Justice League and the Avengers, we're kind of hanging out with the West Coast Avengers. Which I don't know if you remember that comic. It was weird, but there actually was the West Coast Avengers. There was the regular Avengers, and then there was the West Coast Avengers. And we're hanging out with the West Coast Avengers up near Seattle, up in the... Um, no, no, no. Are we in the East Coast? I thought we were in the East Coast. Yeah, we're on the East Coast. So this yeah. is like the Ultra East Coast Avengers, but they kind of talk about how there are different groups around doing different kinds of superheroing. And I really like how we get so much information about how the different that there are these different groups and that they come together in alliances and when big things happen they kind of join forces to do stuff and that we get a lot of information and detail there because it really does help to flesh out a world that we don't get to see yeah yeah because you have your gray capes and you're also your black capes you know get introduced so they, your gray capes are your neutrals yeah they're not really taking a the side they don't you know, they're more like like your defenders. <laughs> if you want to, actually, the way I was with... thinking about it is that that's one good way to think about it. My mind immediately went to old school Star Wars Galaxies because yeah, you know that's where my mind always goes. So you have you know your people who are fighting for the Alliance, which are your white capes, the Empire, which are the black capes, and then you have the Independents, who are the gray capes, who work for whoever has the most money. Yeah, your smugglers and spies and such. <laughs> Or you're a craftsman that just, you know, they built stuff for both sides. <laughs> and Calamity is a great cape. Yep. Which is also funny because before you learn that she's a great cape, the, uh, you know, Dan Daniel's, Danielle is brought in to the headquarters of the white capes. Well, no, so it's after she runs around with Calamity, she goes back to bed, she goes back to her house, sneaks into her room, goes to bed, hears tapping on the window. Yeah. And she looks out the window, and, and that's when 
Valkyrie. Valkyrie. Valkyria. Valkyria, yeah. And Carapace, I believe, are both out there, or was it Magma? It's either Carapace or Magma. One of the two, yeah. Was out there. And they basically do the whole, come here. Yeah. And take... We need to talk. Which, of course, is great, because, you know, Danielle had a huge crush. Danny. Danny, sorry. She's referred to as Danny. Yeah, that's true. Danny, uh, that's easier. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because when I start saying Danielle, then I'm going to start sounding like Grey Witch. I have to slap myself. Uh-huh. Whew. Okay, deep breaths. Um, you know, the had a huge crush on Valkyria. And, like, like posters on the wall. Yeah, posters on the wall. Like, yeah. Danny's like, I hope she didn't see the posters. I hope she didn't see the posters. I hope she didn't see the posters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just outside her room and it would be Which, kind of funny i have to say i absolutely love and while i'm not a big fan of stealing like the next time we get a new robin like if they decide to completely pick a robin out of nowhere i want the robin whatever gender they are to have batman posters all over their wall and for some reason batman has to talk to them and taps on the window and they're like petrified that they're going to see like Batman posters all over the wall. Like, oh, that scene. Oh, that scene. Yeah. 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 And the, the, so, of course, you know, they, they go they go back to the headquarters, and that that's where you get some really fascinating things, like, uh, you know, you, you get to meet Doc. Doc Impossible. Doc Impossible. Doc, Doc Impossible. Uh, Possibly one of my... I, I I keep going back and forth on who's my absolute favorite character in this because I love, love Danny. I love Danny. I love Calamity. Yeah. I love Doc Impossible. Yeah, you gotta love Doc Impossible. Another, you know, it's a, more of your mad scientist, you know, type. Chain smoking. Chain smoking. You learn that not only are there superpowers, but there's also hypertech in the setting, uh, you know. So basically, your fantastical tech, it, just, it does things. So, like, <laughs> in this world, Batman would be someone who uses hypertech to achieve his advantages. Uh, Iron Man would use hypertech. Yeah. So, like, the difference between normal technology and superhero technology. Yeah. So, when you're thinking hypertech, think about this is something that Tony Stark would have come up with, or Reed Richards would have come up with, or... Like, yeah. one of the pieces of hypertech yeah. we get introduced to is the super suits are self-healing. Yes. You know, so you get that self-healing fabric, you know. Which is really uh, cool. which, which we get to see in the latest Avengers, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> that would be hypertech versus a regular suit that might be nice <laughs> That actually fitting, might be a better way to describe up. hypertech. Hypertech is anything that comes out of Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, Tony Stark kind of is at the fringe of making hypertech, yeah. but then there's everything from Wakanda. He kind of goes back and forth, and then Wakanda is, is definitely They hypertech. already have it. Yeah. Shuri yeah. has been there forever yeah. doing it, and she's like, oh, Tony, you're so cute. Yeah. Let me show you how that's really done. Yeah. <laughs> I love Shuri. I love Shuri. I love Shuri. But uh, but also there, you get one of the those first um, moments... Where you get to see Danny struggle uh, because you get to meet Grey Witch who who challenges Danny uh, over being uh, Danny's gender uh, and uh, in, in very offensive manner. But the 
it, it's. I, I'm going to be a little bit more overt with this. Grey Witch constantly dead names Danny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. And it was one of those first moments where you get to uh, experience, like, what, you know, why, why sometimes a person would really blow up over their name or the name being improperly used. Because uh, you, you really get to feel Danny's pain as she's, you know. Grey Witch insists on calling Danny Danielle, Daniel, 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 and saying he. Yeah, and saying he, and it's just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I got after after the scene was done, I was like, what a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it just, uh, yeah. I, I, oh. it was, uh, but it was, it was like very informative as well, though, and it was really well done because. You know, you, Danny, poor Danny's trying to adjust because, you know, he, he just learned it. She just learned that she could fly. And I kept, I started saying he because it was like he became a she, but she was always no, a she. No, she was always a she. she. Yeah, sorry. This is where it's yeah. was yeah. learning. Yeah. She was, always, she a was she. always a she, but her body changed. Yes, the there body we go. The, her body yes. transitioned. You know, I mean, basically instantly. earlier that day, instantly and earlier that day. And Doc Impossible and actually goes into the actual explaining. physiology of what yeah. happened. And Danny is a girl now. Danny is not a biological woman. And I thought that this was something that this is something that kind of worried me about the story is that she Danny did not transition into a full biological woman with ovaries and a uterus and everything because Given the way the transition happened, I didn't know if yeah. she had fully transitioned like all the way over. But no, her body does produce estrogen on its own now, but she very clearly still has testes and still has male components. They're just tucked. Their legacy. Yeah, their legacy. They're just tucked way like in the lower abdomen or something. Mm-hmm. It's like way up in the body. And... And, uh, you know, and also, so, so poor Danny just learned that, you know, she, she'll never be able to have kids. She is sterile, you know, because she doesn't have a fully developed, you know. Which is something that which, all trans people have to yeah. take in mind. Like, that's one of the reasons why, like, for me, an HRT is a scary thing, because I kind of want to have kids someday. I don't know if I really care if they're biological kids enough, but after about six months on hormone replacement, you're never going to have biological kids. Yeah. And that's something that I think about a lot. And that's something that all of a sudden just kind of strikes Danny in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, congratulations. Your transition is complete and done. And also, by the way, (laughs) and it was like a neat way to kind of subtly sneak that bit of reality in through the character, uh, you know, because it was something I was completely unaware of. You know, and as a, as a byproduct of the process. I mean, I knew of hormone treatments and stuff, but I didn't know that you know they they cause a person becomes sterile. Yep. And uh, you know, so it was it was a very uh, that that whole like scene or those moments was really fascinating because you get you know not only more of the setting but Danny's struggles. Um, you know, which was also right after Danny struggles when when she first got home and ran into her parents, and you know she walks in as 
almost almost a stranger. And her that, mom recognizing her was was very touching, you know. And then of course her her dad taking a while before recognizing and accepting. This that, is a bad joke. Yeah, yeah, and and by accepting, I don't mean accepting. I mean. Oh no no no! We do not. No, I don't even think tolerating. Tolerating isn't even the right word. We we he they they are begrudgingly. He acknowledges acknowledging, uh, or almost in his own mind. No, I don't use that pronoun. Uh, He acknowledges she's she's Danny, (laughs) and that I'm gonna fix you, boy. Yeah, and starts using every gendered word. Every wrongly gendered word yeah. that he possibly can for Danny. Like, he can't talk about Daniel without saying he or without saying boy. Like, these words start peppering his language so profoundly that, like, it's all right, my boy. We'll get through this, my boy. And, oh, rage. Yeah. <laughs> Anger and rage. And also, while while uh, while Danny's learning and getting comfortable with her new body, she's also getting comfortable with her new superpowers. She learned she can fly, and it was kind, kind of, of by accident. Kind of by accident, which is kind of funny. Um, and then very much on purpose. Yeah, and then very much on purpose, and is learning how to manipulate the, the lattice a little bit. That is which, one of the most interesting things that I hope we get a lot more about in book two, Sovereign, which is also out. And I highly recommend that you read it because we will shortly be doing a review episode like this on that book because that's the next book that we're reading. We I actually had other books planned, like we're, we're going to take a break and come back to the series. And no, no, no. next book is going to be Sovereign. Yeah. So definitely pick up these. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, the lattice is one of those things that I don't think it is what we think it is. Yeah. Because when she, when we first get the, the first time we get a description of the lattice is during the transition scene when the mantle is passed. And so the first time I, I thought the lattice was referring to kind of seeing quantum reality, that this was akin to seeing strings of some sort that related to that kind of quantum reality that made up the world and so you know this is how flight is explained is danny grabs onto the lattice and kind of propels herself through it and in the initial transition scene we see the lattice being bent and shaped and molded as danny is going from her boy body to her female body And so that's what I was initially thinking. Now, I'm going to be kind of skipping ahead a little bit here because the enemy in the book, the arch villain in the book, is a character named Utopia, who we learn later in the book has some kind of a weapon that snaps the lattice, that breaks the lattice. And that is where I started wondering what the lattice actually is, because when Danny sees this, her instinctive reaction is to call it an anti-reality gun. Yeah. That whatever utopia is firing at people is literally breaking the fabric of reality. 
And so that made me start thinking about the lattice as like when you watch a documentary and they're trying to explain how the universe works and they kind of show space time as this kind of grid that bends and warps as they put like a planet in it and you see it warp around the planet. And so I'm starting to wonder if the lattice is less quantum reality and more this kind of way because Danny probably grew up watching similar kinds of documentaries, right? How her mind is seeing space time, the like the actual nature of space time. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe? Yeah. I mean she you know, because it's it's the quote unquote fabric of reality. And you know, she actually sees it as this this lattice work, this fabric, almost a tapestry for everything. And it is one of the interesting things that run throughout the book. You know. And with the nemesis coming, I, I think we're going to learn a lot more about that. So the vast majority of the book, and I don't want to go into a, like a full blow by blow of the, the book. Cause I really want you to read it. I'm yeah. Only, I, I want to talk about some of the things that I found really fascinating and hopefully give you enough tantalizing tidbits that you want to read it. The majority of the book is this wonderful, like, I don't, this is a terrible analogy because they weren't the best books, but kind of like, if you remember the old Green Lantern and Green Arrow go adventuring books or the, uh, you know, Captain America and the Falcon go adventuring, adventuring books, you know, uh, yeah, I'm saying adventuring because they were kind of adventuring and kind of adventuring and got to keep them kids in school now. they're weird books they're really weird books like literally captain america is a truant officer in one of the books they're weird books um like it's the 70s they're trying y'all but uh they're weird books but you know most times when you see a team up there's either a very direct leader follower vibe that you get so like Team Arrow, right? On yeah. Arrow. Or even, well, any of the CW shows, right? It's Supergirl's show. Everybody else is just kind of there. Yeah. Right? Team Flash, it's Flash's show. Everybody else is kind of there. I mean, th- there's a very clear, like, no, Flash is definitely our hero, you know? And the closest, like, as far as the TV show, is like the old Batman and Robin, like the 60s Batman and Robin, where Robin was not always his sidekick they were kind of partners in i don't want to say partners in crime but partners in anti-crime you know they went out adventuring you know together and so Mm -hmm. while yes there were some of those well robin you don't understand because you're just a child you know things closer to that like you very rarely see this uh um parody Mm -hmm. where calamity knows more about the world because she's been keeping for longer than um, Danny has. And I keep referring to Danny because Danny, one of the subplots throughout the story is if Danny is going to pick a new superhero name or keep the name Dreadnought. And so that's why I keep referring to Danny. But they're on such 
but Calamity does, isn't like the leader of the team. Danny kind of sees her that way. Yeah. And at one point in the story when um, Calamity is gravely injured, Danny has a moment of how in the world am I going to do this without her? She's the one that knows everything. Yeah. But most of their actual adventures together are very much yeah, that because, buddy comedy, you know, buddy cop kind of thing. Well, it was, just, it, was, it was a nice setup because you have the one who is leads because of knowledge and experience and the other one that leads because of just sheer brute you know unkillability just the power of dreadnought <laughs> and could destroy anything in her path yeah. a machine gun can be unloaded into her and she just be like that tickled i got shot didn't i yeah yeah there, oh no 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 there was never a did i get shot it was you messed up my suit yeah <laughs> because yeah. that's the one thing that <laughs> i did enjoy about this is it felt it. like some of the older comics where the weapons would actually tear the super suits but their bodies would be fine and you know, it was it, it. There was this wonderful moment in one of the fights where Danny's just kind of looking down at the tatters of her super suit, going, oh, "This is going to take quite some time to repair, and I still have things to do." And yeah. it's kind of, I mean, this debate yeah. over whether or not to basically keep caping or wait for the super suit to repair itself, or maybe go get another one. No, I'll get in trouble if I get another one. Because I'm technically not supposed to be caping right now. Um, <laughs> oh, I really like this like weird little detail of realism. That yes, Danny, because of the power of dreadnought within her, is not, is virtually indestructible, though not entirely indestructible, as we find out in the course of the story. Yeah, but virtually indestructible but nothing she's wearing and nothing around her is and you know it's often kind of bothered me when you see superman getting shot with bullets and his his suit's fine because like it should at least be scratched or dented or something yeah. because then really is he impervious to bullets or is the suit, suit impervious to bullets? Yeah. It's like Batman's impervious to bullets because the suit is impervious to bullets. Yeah. Except for in cases when it's not because they need Batman to bleed. But <laughs> you'd be shot a thousand times except for that one Achilles bullet that makes him bleed because plot demands it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Big Batman fan, that happens way too much. But way too much but you know what i'm saying like that that little layer of realism that yes she's impervious to everything but oh the clothing it is not yeah i, I don't, don't know why i enjoy that so much and i think it's one of the reasons why like it reminded me of like the daredevil show where yeah he could take a beating but he's usually wearing rags by the end of a fight yeah because yeah because his, his outfit couldn't take that hard of a beating. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so It's you, why at least Hulk is shirtless. They don't yes. even bother. He's already ripped through his shirt. He's destroyed it before anybody else has a chance. <laughs> his shirt would not survive rocket launch attacks and automatic weaponry and buildings and cars and whatever else was thrown at it. it don't get me started on the Hulk's pants because... I remember... Well, like, most of his impacts are to his upper body. No, I'm not talking about the impacts. <laughs> I'm talking about when Hulk changes. Like, oh, I yeah. love how in modern media, they, they love to show, like, 
the young Harry version of Bruce Banner running around in Dudley's clothes. So you understand, no, he's actually wearing clothes that's like 12 sizes too big. So it's when the change happens, the Hulk is still wearing clothes. Like, I remember because my friend Paul and I were so into the Incredible Hulk TV show when I we were was... kids. And I'm just like, there's no way that Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno have the same waist size. And those pants weren't baggy I'm, on Bill Bixby. I'm just going to say it. I always figured the cinching was part of his rage. <laughs> you know. I mean, <laughs> this is... I mean, it's what they do to bulls and rodeos, you know? That's yeah, true. This is, this, it's the start of the pure Hulk rage. And then it goes from there because after being cinched, somebody's dumb enough to... Hit him. Hulk or, don't like tucking. Yeah. Tucking bad. Especially that kind of tucking. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I will never see Hulk again. You just turned Hulk into like a, well, a whopping big green drag queen from straight out of Oz. Yeah. Well, with like, Ron even. I mean, you, you see the, the clothes is like really constrictive yep, around the waist area. Yep, you're you're and, right. And it's all pretty much just all cinched up and crushed and... And, uh, Hulk smashed flat. Hulk smash everything else. Hulk. Yes. Oh my goodness. Because well, it's why. Okay, I didn't. I didn't share this theory before, but while while we're down this rat hole, this is why I figured. This this is my explanation for part of why we start getting the quote unquote gray hawk in Avengers. He wears baggier clothes, so he's not so cinched up <laughs> and just full of anger because he's he's personally crushed. So he's able to think a little bit more. And and have conversations and moments of like, yes, I'm still the Hulk. I still can rage out, but I'm not pure rage because, you know, blind rage because, you know, boys are a little more comfortable. Uh, I missed having you on the show so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Like yeah. that just. That. Hulk's deep, dark secret reveal. Hulk's deep, dark secret, secret reveal. Yeah. yeah. All he needs is a comfortable pair of stretchy pants, and he'll he won't be blind rage hawk. <sighs> I, I kind well, uh, the sun's low in the sky. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just kind of broke me yeah. in, in such a good way. So, uh, Utopia. Let's get back. To yeah, like uh, who was? It? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Utopia is an interesting villain, and while this is the spoilery part of the episode, I don't know how much I want to talk about because i have so many mixed feelings i think the one thing that i do want to make sure that we discuss is this nemesis thing that's coming towards earth because well the name of the series is nemesis and so whatever it is is going to make a big part of the story a little bit of it is what she uses to power her unreality gun yeah yeah which is kind of creepy and makes me wonder about things. I I I actually rather enjoyed her mega villainy mm-hmm. for one reason. I felt unlike a lot of supervillains that you read, I think she had a good reason. Yeah. I can see how in her own mind she thought she was the hero of the story. Yeah. It, it's that that's one of the things I liked because she's she's very obsessed about Nemesis. So she calls Nemesis this rock that's going to come and bring about and, and shatter all of reality of of Earth. Basically, if it if this meteorite came too close and collided, and because it'd be like like her gun but mass form, and so she's obsessed with 
stopping this, preventing this, saving the world, as she said. You know, in her mind, she is a hero. And anybody who tries to interfere and won't understand that she's trying to save everybody is is a villain, is in her way, and just has to be either stopped or brushed aside. You know, whatever. It doesn't... The, the ends justify the means. I don't like means. to kill Danny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she says that. You know, over and over, over again. Over and over again. Uh, you know, <clears throat> because, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, it makes it makes sense. She, you know, it, it was really cool to have that that her motives and, and goals weren't just I'm pure evil and I'm doing evil things because fucking I'm evil, you know, <laughs> which oftentimes you get. Yeah, and there goes our clean tag for this episode. Oh, maybe they'll think it's cluck it. <laughs> you know, evil people cluck, evil chicken. Evil chicken. Um, you know. And and so it was just really nice. It was a nice touch. Like I I agree with you. I think uh, you know if you guys want us to go into more detail about the end bits, you know, we might in a different episode. But I, I even those that wanted to get into the spoilers, I think I think that should be saved for a different because well, the main thing place, that I want it, it was it was so many great twists so, and turns. So many. But to me, I think one of the more interesting things is that at the end, by the end of the book. I felt like the villain wasn't defeated. And yeah. it's not because Utopia wasn't stopped. It's because Grey Witch didn't die. Yeah. yeah. Grey because Witch the thing that we haven't there. talked about yet is in the middle of the book, as all this madness is going on around everything, Grey Witch goes to Danny and basically tells Danny, you're going to stop being Dreadnought. And if you don't, I will kill you because you're not going to dishonor dreadnought because dreadnought is not trans yeah and And then puts a spell on danny so that when danny tries to text people and tell them what gray witch said her phone stops working yeah and she's unable to actually tell anyone what gray witch said and as gray witch said i'm i'm a white cape i'm part of the you know league of superheroes i can't remember the name of the league but the League of Superheroes will always call for And, and it's like, who are they going to believe, me or you? You're not even a member. Yeah. You're brand new to everybody. And and on top of all that, that was just after Grey Witch went to Danny's parents. And outed. And outed Danny. As a superhero. As a superhero. And I love that kind of play there because, well, Danny obviously is trans because, well, she left the house in a boy's body. She came home in a voluptuous model-esque statuesque female body yeah. that that you can't hide yeah. that from your from, from your parents but she has been hiding throughout the story that she's a but, superhero yeah because the parents just assume that this was a byproduct of the fight that happened and downtown danny downtown, encourages downtown. that yeah between utopia and dreadnought yeah. that like she got splashed by magic rays or something and it just happened and danny is like well i'll encourage this this misbelief because i want to keep my secret identity yeah yeah because went out of his dreadnought, you know, there's a lot of people that might might come for her, come for her family, and and you know, Dreadnought has a lot of enemies. And of course her wonderful coming out at the very end of the story was really, really good good and yeah. I enjoyed that. But when she yeah, kind of does that whole great. I am Iron Man thing yeah. at the very end and I really like that. Yeah but, but Grey Witch I, you know, Grey Witch just robbed her of that. 
and the other and the other thing that really annoyed me about this whole thing is gray witch survives utopia's attack on the tower because she puts a protective bubble around herself which saves her from what's going on couldn't she make that bubble bigger yeah like she's in a room with like three other members of the legion the with with her with her raven dead i didn't i i still thought it was selfish of her and, and questioned whether or not being able to make that bubble bigger and the i kind of justified it a little bit in my head that she couldn't have made it big enough quick enough because even her raven dies and so it was a matter of time and she didn't have time to save anybody else but then again i also sat back and counter argued that which she's such a selfish monster. B-word, monster that uh <laughs> that she just was saving her own butt you know because she's and more gray cape than than she was i like think she's admit. a black cape i think she's I, a secret black cape and i think she's gonna be a villain in a future book and i mean a full-fledged villain not just a yeah. yeah because after the everyone else getting murdered you know she's she's not going to deal well with that anyhow and the rest of the council or a chunk of the council not not making it you know which, just to explain that to you, a TERF is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, um, T-E-R-F, and that's very much the character that Grey Witch has. But, and I kind of just wrote her off as being a transphobe until we get to see the security footage where she very clearly only saves herself. And maybe it would have cost too much of her blood because we see that she has to cut herself to create the protective bubble around her that saves her. And maybe she would have died if she hadn't, but that is a key component to being a superhero in every version of a superhero that you're willing to sacrifice yourself for others. Yeah. And I can't see what Grey Witch did as anything other than selfishness that allowed Valkyria to die, that allowed... Well, magma is extremely heart hurt. Um, Carapace died. Yeah, and I almost I, I I don't know if it was just my reaction to her, you know, nasty turfdom or what, but I I put the blame for their deaths much more on Grey Witch than on utopia yeah utopia put the poison in the room and la da 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 gray witch had the power to save them yeah maybe in saving them it would have cost her her own life but that's what superhero do yeah like that's how superhero do that's what superheroes supposed to do yeah and Maybe it was just cowardice, but that seems like villainy to me. That really seems like villainy to me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely sat weird. And that was the other thing I also thought of with the the raven may have had to die as part of the spell. Maybe. The, the protection spell. Or maybe she had to kill the raven like it was like a, 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 a second life token. <laughs> You know, she would have died in the initial attack, but the raven died in her place so she could get an extra five seconds to get a spell off or something. 
you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We don't know, know the but... details. And, and it's something that did sit not very well, you know, because uh, I really, especially with her underhanded activities already. Once, she, like once she threatened to kill Danny, like straight up murder her or her family. Yeah, or her family, and and or, or possibly her family. And if that didn't cha- change Danny's mind to just kill Danny, like she's straight. Well, up, she was willing to betray all of their stuff they preach about just to uh-huh. out her. Yes, and it was even before that. And then the, the other threat was like, oh yeah, that's just. You know, so yeah. another layer to the cake and icing. <laughs> From my point of view, like the, the, the actual arch villain of the story didn't get their comeuppance in this because Utopia, yeah, Utopia bad. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong, Utopia bad. Utopia worked with the Nazis back in the day. Utopia very bad. I'm not yeah. saying like I'm on Utopia's side. I think Utopia's plan was foolish. I think it was misguided, and of course it was megalomaniacal. Yeah. Because, and then when they're all in there, I want to be the queen of them all. <laughs> you yeah. know, like not quite that level of art <laughs> super villainy, but you know what I'm saying. Like you know, she, yeah. she was a bad, bad dude. Like I'm not. But saying. as far as like you know, she had her reasons, and as far as like just flat out evil actions, you know, Grey Witch was flat out evil. Yeah. Like threatening to kill a teenager. Because Danny's what, fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 trying to blame all of the you know, to to blame Danny for the potential feminine regression of all of society. You know, it's like this is a fifteen year old or, or probably not fifteen, but no, I think she was fifteen. I think it very expressly said she was 15. Oh, yeah. A new teenager, a new high schooler. But I don't know how yeah. far... I believe she was 15. Okay. Um, you know, it's like, man, that is... I may be wrong about that, but yeah. I, I have a distinct memory of them saying that Danny was 15. Yeah. I mean, clearly, still a child. You know, not even old enough to be allowed to choose to be a superhero. Because that was the whole thing, because she had three years... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Probationary membership before they let her would you know let she could decide to, to be in the Legion or not. Yeah, and yeah, but and like I said, I don't know if it was her abject turfdom or what that colored that moment for me. But I, I really feel like she Greenwich is so much more responsible for the deaths of yeah. the other members of the Legion. Because I really feel like Grey Witch could have stopped it. Yeah. I really feel like Grey Witch could have stopped it and chose not to. Yeah. Act of, not like just out of fear, like, oh, I don't want to die. I'm just going to save me. But actively, for reasons we don't understand yet, went, oh, well, this gets them out of the way for me. Yeah. Like. Like, it just. It, uh, <laughs> it almost left me with, like, Wow, that uh, that role playing group is going to have a very awkward after session count argument as to why the player didn't use their abilities to save the others. So the others have to roll up new characters now. It's like it's like dang, you you're know? the worst dungeon healer ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I survived? Yes, and yeah. everybody that party wiped. The you're, party wiped. You're the mage and healer. You're supposed to save everybody. Oh, <laughs> at least buff everybody for goodness sakes. Yeah. 
Why didn't you detect this earlier? Well, why didn't you? You know, yeah, like, I could see the argument. If she had the power to do that bubble, couldn't she have blown out the side of the building? Something, you or know, teleported there's, them there's, somewhere? Because yeah, isn't that in her powers? I don't know, but made a bubble big enough for all of them to be inside of it at least for a little while. Yeah, I it just uh, it really it it gets my goat if you can't tell. Yeah, that she she in my mind at least let them die. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and even more so knowing, like, seeing some of the other things she does and then going, well, I don't know the limitation. I haven't seen her character sheet, so I don't know the limitations of the abilities and, and the costs for using them, but, you know, it just seemed, uh, yeah, it, it did not seem very good at all. I'm sure there's some people listening to us right now that are laughing because the answers to these are in the next book, but that's why we haven't been letting ourselves read the next book because... I wanted to talk about this one before yeah. we started the next one and we're kind of chomping at the bit to get into the next one because this was so good. This yeah. was so good. Um, yeah. And there's so many little things that we could go into because like the little dive bar where the gray capes hang out in, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And especially that scene where Danny's dad goes in there and almost gets muggy. Slash killed or at least be, beaten, be, beaten up at by, least by beaten. a bully, you know. Uh, yeah, in the situation where he's like, "I wasn't gonna kill him." I mean, he's not gonna say it, but I was gonna kill him. Like he's like, "I'm sorry." There's yeah. a virtual epistemology thing there. <laughs> like, yeah, but it, but it, it was funny because it was like, okay, so you might not be a murderer, but you're still gonna be a bully, you know, like. Yeah, I understand this guy's ignorant and, and is going around asking ignorant, offensive things, and he's not a super, but still, dude, you don't need to go and just smash him up like that. And I, I like the way that this set up for Utopia and the reveal of Utopia, because I was kind of on board with it before it happened, but not in a way of like, just get to the monkey. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, I know you're about to find King Kong, you know, because I've read so many of those books, like... You know, one of my favorite vampire series of novels, the second book, one of the great reveals is that that character that you're seeing in the shadows there is is vampire Jesus. Yeah. Like literally vampire Jesus. <laughs> and it is so obvious so early on yeah. that as they're being all like spooky and mysterious, who's this vampire in the in the in the corner? And you're just like, it, it's vampire Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like I know the answer, guys. I know yeah, the answer. Like it's obvious, dude. Like all of his friends are named Peter, Paul, and Lazarus. Yeah, they keep calling him JC, and they keep know? calling him JC. It's Vampire Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like this is not a surprise. It's Vampire Jesus. <laughs> it would have been less obvious if they called him Jesus, you know? Like, yeah, like <laughs> or something, you know? something. Josh, Josh, Just call him Josh. Yeah, call him Josh. Josh would actually be more appropriate because yeah. his name was Yeshua in the original language, which comes down to English is actually Joshua. Yeah. So, so if they called him Josh, if they called him Josh, that would have been kind of more misleading, more slightly subtle. more misleading. But like, you know, I, I've read those books, and you know, that's Angel Souls and Devil Hearts by uh, Christopher Golden is the book I'm talking about there. And I'm sorry for the spoiler, but if you can't figure that out, like ten seconds into the book, that. Yeah. Oh, that's Vampire Jesus. I, I think even Christopher Golden would slap you for not freaking out. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it is the most obvious reveal in the history of reveals in a book. And so it's like my go-to, like, like 
oh, it's spooky. It's mysterious. No, it's Vampire Jesus. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why sometimes I you'll hear me just randomly say, no, it's Vampire Jesus. That's that's why. And I still love the books. Like Mask and Martyrs was a much better book. It's a book that comes oh, out yeah. in the series. That's the Shadow Saga. Great series of vampire books. Definitely check those out. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, I, I, I wanted to bring that up because it wasn't like, oh, that's Vampire Jesus. Like, yeah. I got to the point where I was like, oh, that's Mistress Malice. Yeah. Like, Utopia is Mistress Malice. How start, is Utopia Mistress Malice? You start Malice? counting and you're going, wait a minute. What, yeah, no, what she said is, yeah, because it was like one little clue that really starts to make it obvious. But, yeah. But and, it was fun because it was like... But then but then I nice started doubting myself because I'm like, how could she be? Yeah. And that's, you know, like... It, it, that's it, when you realize, oh, a lot of her body is replaced with hypertech. And that's and then how... You, then, of course, you realize that her entire body has been replaced by hypertech. Yeah. And, 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 and. Yeah. But, like, it wasn't a, oh, so that... Dude, that's Vampire Jesus. Just say it's Vampire Jesus. It wasn't that experience at all for me. But I liked the way we got there because not only did I figure out before we got there, oh, oh, Utopia's Mistress Malice. It was, but how? Like, I get that. Like, I see that that's where we're going. That's the reveal we're going to get. But how in the world is she? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And having to work that out really helped as well. But I really did like how that played out in the story. And, you know, it, it felt so organic because it was like shortly before we get the reveal that Doc Impossible was created by Mistress Malice, that she was created by Utopia, that I was like, oh no. Because it was actually when it was in the flight when Calamity had been hurt and is flying back to the tower to get help. And Danny lands on the landing pad on the roof and the guns attack her. My first, like, that was that moment where, like, the scales fell from my eyes. And I was like, oh, no, Doc Impossible was made by Utopia. Mm -hmm. Like, it just was crystal clear to me right there. And it was this wonderful tension in me because I love Doc Impossible so much that... I was actively, like, I figured it out, but I was actively rooting to be proven wrong. And for me, it was that when we finally got the reveal, it was super tragic because I was hoping, like, no, but I love you. Don't. So that that part I hadn't quite, I mean, I knew Utopia was in the building and stuff, but I I figured it was because Utopia was in the building that she had turned the the defense systems and stuff on against anybody trying to intrude uh, I hadn't the, the the Doc Impossible connection hadn't quite clicked until the actual big reveal and I was just like oh crap well, that see, makes a lot of sense now and this, <laughs> as somebody who's actually had nicotine gum her going through the nicotine gum in the way that she did made no sense for a nicotine addict okay that, so, yeah. that, that was the tell for me. And so that, She's I not human. Yeah. Like, I knew then she wasn't human because nicotine gum, if you've never had the misfortune of that horrid stuff in your mouth, and I'm not saying that because, like, smoking is bad, kids. Like, nicotine gum is one of the most horrid things you will ever put in your mouth because it burns. 
it burns. Ugh, it yeah. burns. It's like, have you ever gotten like a peppercorn stuck in your jaw, like between your the skin of your lips and like down in the crevice in your jaw, that and it kind of burns. Hot pepper sauce yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what nicotine gum kind of feels like. Yeah. And basically, when it stops burning, you pop it out and you chew it a little bit more until it starts burning your tongue, and then you pack it back away. And that's how nicotine gum works. Oh. And yeah. Wow, that is unpleasant. Yes, it is. Fortunately, I didn't have to go through that phase. Yes, it is extremely unpleasant. And she, while she does kind of pack it away a little bit, she kind of chews nicotine gum in a similar way to I do the uh, ice. Yeah. Where, oh, it's lost its flavor, throw it away. It would still have been providing nicotine at that point. You just chew it a little bit more. She didn't need to be going through it as fast as she did. Okay. And that's when I realized she's not actually getting anything from the nicotine. See, that's that was a fun, subtle clue that yeah. I didn't pick up on because I was just like, I don't know, Mike's, you know, I only, I don't, I didn't have that experience with, you know, I didn't have to go use nicotine gum yeah. and uh, my experience is regular bubble gum. So I'm thinking, okay. Yeah, she's going through it like bubble gum. Like bubble gum. The problem is the way nicotine gum works, that's not how it works. Yeah. That basically you've exposed the nicotine on the outside of it. You kind of let it soak in. Then you kind of chew it a little bit to kind of reveal more of it and pack it back into the side, in, into, into your gel to absorb. There's no way she was getting nicotine yeah. out of it. It was not coping with an addiction. Yeah. It was executing a program that, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's a great clue. And that, it's a great that, subtle yeah. clue. Yeah, it's a very, like, if you've never actually had to use nicotine gum, that probably never yeah. stood out for you. But Which like, is why it yeah, was over was, my head, and then I really didn't get it until the big reveal. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's when I realized that she wasn't human. Yeah. Because at first I thought she just chain-smoked because of, you know, it's kind of like the whole joke that the Flash can't get drunk because of his super metabolism and all that. At first that's what I thought it was, and then, like, the more we saw the nicotine gum, it just... It didn't make sense to the way nicotine gum actually works. And that was a great hint for me. But I love I love Doc Impossible, and I'm pretty sure Doc Impossible will be back for the next book because of the way this one ended. Yeah. I love Calamity, and I hope Calamity get Doc creates the greatest like I, I want her to have a Barrett arm in the next book. <laughs> like yeah. I, I want her to actually have the six shooter built in so that she can finger gun people to death because I just want that to happen. Like, I want it to look like a normal gun, normal hand, and then she just goes, pow, you know, just the finger gun thing, and, like, bullets shoot out. I really want that to happen. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. For anybody who's already read the book, you know I don't. Um, There's some things that I want, because I just think that would be awesome. But, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed this book. And this is one of the few books that, for in a long time, that I can very honestly say... This is a 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, however many stars you want to talk about. This is 100 out of 100. This ticked all the boxes for me. Like, I loved the characters. I loved the world. I loved the story. Reveals were well done. Yeah. Like, usually... As you can see, there were were subtle clues that, you know, you could get or or miss. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, great reveals that came about and for those of you who have seen our earlier reviews listen to our earlier reviews you know that you know i can be very nitpicky 
about things because especially when reading a book you know my writer brain kicks in and points to stuff that I really wish had gone a different way and like I said the only thing that upsets me is that Grey Witch has not gotten her comeuppance but there's at least one to two more books you know I don't know how many books are going to be in this series but there's at least one more book to go through and maybe more after that her comeuppance will come yeah <laughs> like something will happen and the fact that that's like my big gripe with the book that that's a good gripe to have like i loved the language i loved the way and this book had a lot of stuff that traditionally i hate it's written in first person i don't like first person narratives generally speaking like that's usually a deal breaker for me it's written in present tense i hate books that are written in the present tense and I'm actually coming around because Chuck Wendig actually wrote some books in present tense that I enjoyed and this one I enjoyed. So maybe I'm not as opposed to that as I used to be, or maybe writers have finally found a way to make that work. Unlike what, how they used to, but that, that used to be a big deal breaker for me too. Like there's a lot of stuff in here that traditionally would have turned me off, but the writing and the story is so good and so compelling. I, I really don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it pulled me through even these things would, that would normally and traditionally bar me from enjoying a story. Yep. And I, I really wish I could find a flaw with it. Just because I feel like I'm... I, I should. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, no, this is great. It's a, it's a wonderful book. You should read it. Go read it if you haven't read it. And if you haven't read it and you've heard all the spoilers, well, the reveals well, are just as fun. Okay, there's one flaw, and we'll leave on this controversial note. I secretly was shipping a relationship that probably never could have happened, but I was rooting for Danny to win over Valkyrie. Oh, Valkyria. Valkyria. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah. Was, that was my secret shipping there because, you know, Valkyria is... See, the age difference, because Valkyria is, like, thousands of years old. Oh, you're being an ageist. What's a thousand years between two cross-love... Star-crossed star lovers. Star-crossed lovers, yeah. Switch uh, lovers on. It'll get right eventually. Yeah. No, it's it was more of, you know, she she's uh, into guys, and, you know, Danny Danny's into... Into Valkyrie, Valkyria. Valkyria. <laughs> All right, so it was a great book. Definitely check it out um, if you haven't already. And hopefully we'll be doing more of these episodes together because I really like the banter. Um, if you like this episode, definitely share it with your friends. Sharing is caring. Remember that episode? We did that a couple of episodes back. No, sharing really does help us out a lot. It helps spread the word that we exist. Also, if whatever podcast engine or service you're listening in allows you to rate, those ratings do help us find a, an audience. So please do that if you would for us. And if you have the time, care, or energy in the show notes, no matter what service you're using, you will see a support on Anchor link if you have the cash and are willing to do that. You can give at the one, five, or ten dollar levels. I don't get to set those, but those are defaults, and I have no say over it. 
but that money does go to help me making more podcasts. If you want to support both the podcast and my writing, you can hit me up over at Patreon. You can find links to all of these things over at projectshadow.com. And I'm forgetting to say something. Oh, if you want to share these on social media in a way that other people can see them, I have actually been posting videos of these up on YouTube where I've just been like posting a still image with the sound on it but you can find those to share on the project shadow you'll see a link to my youtube channel there and you'll be able to find those and share those there so i think that's everything is that everything I feel and like remember have fun with it <laughs> yeah and as always i'll talk to you next time until then have the fun yes sasha have the fun Sasha says goodbye. Bye-bye.